The Joy Unleashed show empowers and inspires women to reclaim their joy. We provide tools, resources, and connections to help you unlock your true potential through engaging conversations, expert insights, and transformative stories. We create a vibrant and inclusive community where women can break free from the limitations that hold them back. I'm joyologist Colleen Greco, and it is my honor to be your host. Let's get right into the show. Welcome. Welcome to Joy Unleashed. I'm your host, Colleen Greco, and with me is an amazing guest. I'm so excited to introduce him to you, or maybe you already know him, Dr. John Clinthorne. And I'm sorry, I said I wouldn't mess it up, and I just did, um, <laughs> is the director of nutrition um, for Simply Good Foods. And I'm, I'm going to actually read his bio so that I do him uh, the, the justice he is so deserved. Um, so he received his doctorate in human nutrition from Mich Michigan State University for his work focusing on diet and immune function. He completed his postdoctorate fellowship at the University of Colorado, Denver Onshoots Medical Campus, where he studied the role of, of the gut microbiota in immune development. That is a mouthful, John. I'm still going. <laughs> His research has been published in several top tier journals, including the Journal of Nutrition and Journal of Immunology. As the director of nutrition at Simply Good Foods, John is involved in new product research and development, creating continuing education courses, which we will touch on uh, later, and establishing re relationships with medical professionals. Over the course of his career, he has been an invited speaker at numerous conferences, a featured guest on podcasts, although I hear his favorite one is this one, and radio shows um, <laughs> and quoted in various magazines, such as Men's Health, Forbes, Elle, and Runner's World. He serves on the steering committee for the American Society for Nutrition's Friends of the Office of Nutrition Research, and is also a member of the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics, the American Heart Association, and the Institute of Food Technologists. So John, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm I'm really happy you're here. I am. There's a little fangirl um, situation going on, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> so I I want to throw you a, a softball as the uh, as the first question here. What is your hype song? So you know you're you're on all kinds of panels. You belong to lots of different industry groups. You're a requested speaker, you're on podcast. What is the song or songs that you tend to listen to that gets you kind of in the mood to uh, perform? Gosh, that's supposed to be a softball question, huh? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I surprisingly, people are always really shocked that I'm a big fan of EDM and electronic music in general. So I would say there's a, a remix of Titanium by Sia that I love, and that gets me really excited to do anything, whether it's getting ready for a sporting event or just trying to get hyped up for the day. Note to self, I'm going to send you some glow sticks. Um, I right. love that. Is <laughs> it's just the you know like drum and bass and the the hype. Um, I completely agree. I love that. Um, before today's show, I was listening to Pearl Jam, but Coldplay, Dave Matthews, um, really anything kind of in that that rhythm. Just I don't know, it gets in my bones. Um, so as I said, there's a little fangirl situation going on. I feel like you know it's Christmas morning because gut health is something that is really important to me personally, but also to my clients. Um, and so I thought we could spend just a second 
level setting on what gut health means to you. So what would, what, how would you define gut health? Yeah, I think most people would start off defining gut health just as regular bowel movements, but it, it's really much, much more. I mean, it encompasses so much of our physiology, whether it's, you know, 70% of the immune system is located in the gut. So inflammation can be largely related to gut health. Uh, the microbiota is a part of gut health, which uh, these organisms produce all sorts of metabolites that then circulate through our body and can influence our mood and, and multiple aspects of health. So gut health really is like a foundational piece of health, in my opinion. And when we're looking at gut health, we need to make the connection to those additional conditions, uh, whether it is you know depression or behaviors or uh, even muscle health can be related to gut health. You know, if you're not absorbing proteins well and that sort of stuff. So um, I think gut health is, is really just a foundational piece of health. I 100% agree. And I would say nearly every single client that I'm personally dealing with has some sort of uh, misconception about what gut health is. And so once we get their food under control and kind of within, um, you know, their own understanding, they say, wow, I'm just starting to, to just feel better. I feel like I'm not as anxious and like, mm -hmm. like, wow. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. When, when I was doing microbiota research, we, we had an interesting project where we were getting samples from people and it was amazing how many folks who had poor gut health could always tie it back to this one time in their life where they got really sick from maybe, you know, food poisoning, or they went on a trip to uh, somewhere that had bad water or something like that. And it messed up their gut health. And then they had these like cascades of, of health issues that always came out of it. And I've always, that was always really grounding for me is like that one incidence that can really mess with your gut can just have a, a whole um, domino effect on your health later in your life. 100%. And I, I have about four questions that are related to that just off the top of my head. But one of the things that I put on, let me think, I think it was Facebook yesterday was um, my personal opinion on cleanses. Um, but I have a feeling you might agree with me. What What is your take on cleanses? Are you for or against? And maybe give an, an idea for the, for the viewers as to why. Yeah, well, first it depends on what you're actually calling a cleanse, right? Um, some people are like, well, I'm going to go sugar-free for a while. Hey, that's a great kind of cleanse. Like, I think that type of cleanse is great. Clean up your diet for the cleanses that are like, you know, you're only going to drink lemon juice for a week or um, even more aggressive kinds of gut cleanses. Not a big fan of those. I don't really think there's a lot of physiology that makes sense to support that. Um there are people who might have some really inflammatory gut issues who can benefit from kind of resting their digestive system, whether that's a little bit of fasting or something like a GAPS protocol. I think that could be okay for a day or two, but these extended aggressive cleanses that um, really don't contain anything that would actually help nourish the gut, uh, I find those to be problematic. I agree. And I think, you know, for this particular case, it was around, I'm tired of of feeling this way, I have no energy and I want to lose five pounds by the weekend, I'm going to do a cleanse. And it's just like everything in my body is saying, no, <laughs> that's not the way to yeah. do it. So, um, but you also kind of touched on the importance of, um, or the impact of your mental health. 
related to gut health. Can you spend a little bit more time um, talking about, you know, the direct connection there? Yeah, so a, a lot of this is research that's come showing that there's this gut-brain axis that the gut communicates with the brain via the vagus nerve. I think a long time we understood that the brain communicated with the gut, but now we're understanding it's actually bi-directional and that um, the way your gut is feeling can kind of communicate that to your brain and that can impact your mood, et cetera. Um, you see it really in the people who have uh, inflammatory bowel disease or even like a less aggressive kind of, you know, just overall general bloating kind of um, uncomfortable gut. And then they see that it, it really makes them feel they're almost hypersensitive to any type of gas, uh, any type of gut upset. And then their mood, other aspects of health are infected. Um, what, what I think is really fascinating is it's not just this vagus nerve either. Uh, then we start to talk about all the metabolites that are important in gut health that are being produced by these bacteria that live in the gut. And then if you're inflamed, I mean, there's a, a classic example in the inflammation literature called sickness behavior. And it's like the depression and malaise that comes along when you're sick. Right? If you have the flu, you don't want to do anything. And it's because you don't feel good. You're inflamed. And so you can mimic this in animals. You can inject them with bacteria or inflammatory compounds. And you can see they stop moving around. Their mood changes. Um, and so I think people don't always make that connection that if their gut is inflamed, that actually might be causing them to have some of these symptoms of sickness behavior. Completely agree. <clears throat> Excuse me. Does the connection between gut health and brain function naturally decline over time? Or is there any research to support that? So sometimes you get, well, geez, I never had this problem when I was young. Why is this hitting me in my 40s, for example? Is that because the gut has at some point had enough or is it like had been tortured long enough and now it's fighting back? Or is there is there any connection there that you could comment on? Yeah, I, I think I would go back to that example I used earlier of somebody who just you know, one time they got sick, their microbiota probably got disrupted. They took antibiotics to try to you know feel better. They didn't really restore their microbiota. And for a little while, that's okay. But it ultimately can lead to this cascade where you have tight junctions break down, you have leaky gut. Um, and, and those things take time to then make themselves known in our health if it's you know, that long-term cascade inflammation can lead to insulin resistance, which we know insulin resistance can be quite damaging on cognitive function. So I don't know if it's like an immediate kind of relationship. It's pretty well established that there is some level of cognitive decline after you reach about 50, 60 years old, but it shouldn't be a severe drop-off. And, you know, it's, it's like acceptable to have a little bit, but you shouldn't be seeing these huge changes in cognitive function. And that's where it's really concerning is if people start to all of a sudden really fall off in their ability for problem solving, memory recall, that sort of stuff. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. And I promise just one more question on gut health. <laughs> Although I do. I could talk all day. I feel like I could too. <laughs> and I think it's a, it's a topic that, you know, very few people know uh, a lot about. And so this, this next one um, comes up all the time too. And there's, there's conflicting amounts of research that I think people are fed and I'm no pun intended, or maybe that was a pun intended. I don't know, but I'm wondering 
the is there a, a direct connection between gut health and autoimmune that you're aware of? Yeah, certainly. So there, there's a lot of animal data to suggest this, depending on um, the microbiota, you know, that's interacting with your immune system and actually um, it trains your immune system. So 70% of your immune system is resides in your gut. You have these constant interactions between the bacteria and the immune system. The immune system kind of reaches out there and samples those bacteria. And if you have we'll say like a dysbiotic gut, you have low diversity, maybe you have some of the organisms that are associated with problems in the gut. Those then begin to tell the gut to develop these types of T cells, which are one of our primary immune cells that are very inflammatory, uh, Th17 cells that, that can shift your immune system more towards that reactive immune system. And once you begin to have that overreactive immune system, that's when you can see that cascade of starting to recognize your self tissues as problems. And that is what autoimmunity is. Beautiful, thank you. I'm definitely taking the sound bite and specifically sharing it out to <laughs> a wide yeah. cast of characters because you know, there's, there's what I say as a nutrition coach, there's what their doctor shares and whatever they're exposed to or not. And then there's just things that, you know, they, you know, people tend to just ignore saying, well, it's not going to happen to me or that can't, it can't be that easy. And so I appreciate you, you sharing that. Yeah, um, actually, if I could, if I could add a little bit more to that, because I think this is really interesting. Um, when I was doing my postdoc research, what we were doing was we were doing fecal transplants. And when you do uh, bone marrow transplants to help treat cancers, leukemia, lymphomas, you often develop graft versus host disease, which is where the new immune system you've put into someone starts to not only kill their cancer, but it will also start to attack their self tissues. It's similar to a autoimmune condition. And what we were doing was we thought if we actually transferred not just the person's bone marrow, but also transferred um, the microbiota at the same time, that new microbiota would increase the acceptance of that graft and actually help that graft not be so reactive. Again, so powerful in how the microbiota interacts with the immune system and keeps that immune system kind of in check or at least um, educated to not be overreactive. I'll hit you with a follow-up. Where, where would you direct somebody that does feel like they have conflicting single sources of truth? And their doctor says one thing, you're saying potentially another, they feel another, like where's, who is Switzerland in this, in this entire uh, debate? I mean, I'm a big advocate for people to do their own education, their own reading, but making sure it's very, you know, science-based. Uh, I think there is kind of a gap between what the medical establishment is going to just be aware of. They have so much on their plate. There's so much they need to understand. That you, you got to be a, an advocate for yourself, but also build a healthcare team. Don't just rely on a single person within your healthcare, you know, for your healthcare. Have that dietitian, nutrition coach, have a physical therapist, have a, a, a medical professional, a, a doctor, uh, and, and then build a team and then have make sure that team is all kind of aware of what your concerns are. And I'm not sure there's a Switzerland, but I think by building that team, you're likely to get that holistic care that you need rather than the um, single type of primary care you might if you don't have that team. 
Agreed, right? So you'll you'll be able through all the various inputs, you'll you'll be able to pull out the similarities and kind of make your decision from there. So this next one is something I just confessed to you before we started that I have a massive obsession with my cost products. Um, and uh, I'm very protective of them. In fact, before we got on the air, I went down to count um, just how many boxes are in my basement. And there are 15. Wow. I, I don't feel like that's an unhealthy number. I just want to put that out there. So for all the judges out there, I have three other people in this house that touch my stash. So no, it's on auto ship. Um, but my actual question is around product development and share whatever you can. And if, if you can't, obviously just skip over it because we're not looking to, um, you know, share any secrets. But generally, where do new product ideas come from? And the person that actually came up with the peanut butter cups, I would like to add them to my Christmas card list because those are those are amazing. Yeah, I, with Quest, our vision was let's take that Super Bowl table, you know, all that stuff that people bring to a party that is not very good for you, but is delicious and fun to eat. And let's flip the macros. Let's take all that stuff and create better for you versions of it. Um, the high sugar, the high carb stuff. Let's let's make it high protein. Uh, so not really a secret in, in the R&D world, but the execution then is, is where our amazing food scientists come in and figure out the types of proteins that they need to use to make a, a chip, right? Um, how do you replace sugar. Sugar is an amazing ingredient from a food science perspective. There's a reason it's in our entire food supply everywhere. It's cheap, it's functional, it has antimicrobial properties, like it is a great ingredient. But how do you replace sugar with a better for you ingredient? For us, that usually ends up being fibers because they have these great prebiotic effects as well. So it's it's a food science dance and, and I can't take any credit for the actual R&D stuff. Those are our, our talented food scientists. But uh, yeah, we, we take a look at that that Super Bowl table and then how do we reimagine it? It's brilliant. Um, there, By the way, I have a, I have an acquisition idea for you. If you could just acquire Protein 2.0, that would be amazing because that is the protein water that I'm currently obsessed with. Um, <laughs> a little bit beyond my pay grade, but I'll pass it up the chain. You just, like, you just put it in the suggestion box. HR will take a look at it and they'll get to it when they can. I know that. Um, but yeah, no, the, the products are amazing. I recommend them all the time to my clients. They're, they're like, how are these so good? And their only complaint is, why can't I have like the full massive bag? And um, the, the truth is you can't do that with just about anything. So <laughs> I think I think you've taken it as far as you can take it with the amazing flavor. The, the macros are so balanced. I mean, these chips for our listeners are 18 grams of protein, five grams of fat, um, nope, six grams of fat, need new glasses, and five grams of carbs. That is an awesome snack recommendation that I make all the time and that my son steals very quite often. Um, Glad to hear that. <laughs> I'll single-handedly keep you in business. Um, and of course, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, um, disregard the, the Atkins brand either, because that's also under the Simply Foods um, family. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think Atkins was kind of the originator of the low-carb product offerings. Uh, so it's great to look at what Atkins has done over the last, I don't know, 50 years, I think, is when Dr. Atkins published his first book in 1972. 
and really popularized low carb diets. And uh, they continue to lead that legacy today and really create great products and also emphasize the importance of a low carb lifestyle or at least a lower carb lifestyle for a lot of people. Yeah. And, you know, there is there's a lot of uh, people out there that think that carbs are bad and that fat is bad. And, you know, I, I stress all the time the value of carbs and the value of fat. You know, fat gets protein to where it needs to go. So we don't want to take that out. I mean, it has other benefits too, but when you think about, you know, when you're trying to lose weight, it's a really important component. Carbs is the, you know, primary source of ATP. And I tell clients all the time, you don't even need to know what that is, but you need to know why it's important. Um, and that there, there is value in the right carb, right? So eating a banana versus a bag of general chips, not these chips, but general chips, um, you know, those aren't, they don't have the same value. They don't, you know, affect your body the exact same way, right? And so trying to just educate people about um, slow burning, fast burning, um, you know, how to fuel your workouts and, and how to fit it all in so that you don't feel like you're, you're doing without. Yeah, I think there's been a shift in understanding of you know, necessary carbohydrates. And, and one of the things that we always say with, with Atkins is it's not no carb, it's low carb. Uh, mm -hmm. There are lots of beneficial carbohydrates found in our fruits and vegetables. You can have controlled portions of whole grains. It's really just being smart about it and not over consuming those refined carbs and sugars. Totally agree. Although, you know, there would be nice for there to be some, and I'm sure it's like on your, on your uh, R and D list somewhere to replace like just that feeling you get when you, and you're stressed out and you eat a candy bar and that just like hits your system. <laughs> like it's amazing, but the, the, the damage is often not worth it. Um, okay. So one of the things that you had uh, shared was that you do spend a lot of time uh, outdoors, um, that you've made lifestyle changes to allow you to do the things that you love to do. And that's your definition of joy. Are you comfortable sharing what those lifestyle changes are? Cause that could, or probably will, inspire somebody else? Yeah, um, I can I can start with my my backstory here, uh, if that's okay. It's, it's, it's kind of interesting. So when I was in college, I um, got up to 250 pounds. And this is about I think I gained like 80 or 90 pounds from my freshman year to maybe my junior year. Wow. And I kind of just had this moment where I was like, I need to get back in shape. I was a, you know, played sports in high school, everything like that. And through oh boy, two years or so of just slowly changing my lifestyle, running a little bit every day, eating better. Um, I lost a hundred pounds. I became very interested in the power of nutrition. And that was actually what, uh, caused me to pursue my degree in nutrition was just like this amazing experience and, and wanting to be able to bring that experience to more people. Um, so from there, then on, I, it's like, you have to make it a full lifestyle change in my opinion, when you go through these kinds of weight loss experiences, otherwise it's not sustainable. People just end up on the yo-yo diet. They do it for four months and then they, um, they don't make that full lifestyle commitment. So to me, it was really about a lifestyle commitment. Now I, I have a, a joy of, being outside, whether it's hiking, camping, riding bikes, you know, running, I love it all. And it was just a, a dramatic shift. And sometimes it means like you'll lose friendships. Sometimes it means you'll miss out on social experiences, but you have to prioritize 
what is really, really important to you. And when you look back, I think that was 15 years ago for me now, um, I have no regrets on, you know, not going to the bar one night with my friends because really like that lifestyle shift has given me so much long-term joy. I could cry. So I completely relate to that. I, I, I can't say I lost a uh, hundred. That is so uh, inspiring and admirable and, and led you to an entirely different path, which I just think is, yeah. is mind blowing. For me, I was in IT marketing. I say accidentally for about 26 years, <laughs> I was in the leadership track. Everything was going great. And we had a trauma here in the house. And I didn't handle it well. And so I reached numbers probably close to yours um, <laughs> where, you know, those were numbers, those were numbers I saw in my pregnancies. So, uh, and I wasn't pregnant during this time. So I knew that that was obviously too high. And it was like a lot of people, it was that one picture. And you mm -hmm. look at the picture and you're like, that is not me. Or if it is, how come you didn't tell me I looked like this? Um, and so as a way to uh, heal my home, and heal uh, myself, I sought the help of a nutrition coach. And as he was coaching me to lose the weight, and I lost 52 pounds overall, that I'm about like 35 pounds down at this point when I said to him, don't you want to know what caused me to gain the weight so that you can help me develop strategies so that I never get back there again? Like, where's the education piece, this long-term yeah. sustainable And he said, I'm not your therapist. And I was like, Oh boy. Okay. <laughs> Wrong answer. Not a helpful right. answer. But right answer. Cause it, I mean, that was like instantly where I was the joyology term, which I completely made up pioneered. Um, that's where all that was born. That's where I developed the, the whole snap method is the mindset piece. I developed this, this method called the snap method and it was how to redirect your response to triggers. So you don't run to the pantry and there's a, very systematic way that you deal with the things that stress you out or those old stories that keep reappearing. Um, so I love this story. I had no idea that's where this question was going. Um, but I, it's, I completely relate and agree. It's like, you know, at the end of the day, at my funeral, which hopefully is 50 years from now, what do I want people to say about me? And it's not that I was really great at IT marketing, although I think I was, but... <laughs> But it's like that I was kind and compassionate and, and energetic and I helped change people's lives. And so that's that my calling was born from that experience, too. That's awesome. That's great to hear. And yeah, I think you're right. It is. There's like this psychology aspect that needs to be wrapped into it for it to be truly successful for people, for people to make it a sustainable change. Yeah, absolutely. So now that we just went to the heavy, um, <laughs> what would you say to people um, who say, you know what, I'm just going to start on Monday, you know, or next month or, or save it, you know, for a New Year's resolution? What is the importance of removing that that time barrier and starting today? Psychologically, nutritionally, you can take this any way you want, um, but just removing the, nah, I'm just going to start on Monday. Yeah. I mean, I, I can tell you more from just personal experience is um, it's not like a 
single thing ever makes this the difference. It is a compilation of small changes. And so start today with a, with a tiny change and then build on that tomorrow. And if you don't start today, you're one day behind. So every time you can make one of those small choices that are better for your health, it's great. And then it becomes reinforcing because you're like, well, yesterday I was good. So today I am not going to have a beer tonight either. You know, those kinds of of reinforcing behaviors are really important. And it's not, I, I know we're talking about like big lifestyle shifts, but they don't happen immediately. I think they are progressive for a lot of folks. And there are some core tenants that have to happen, but different people need to get to them in different ways. But I'm, I'm a big fan of making the, the small changes for good and then building upon them. Is that kind of how you see it? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. When people come to me, I, I have this client right now who wanted to lose about 120 pounds. And I'm like, please don't anchor on that. Okay. Like we need to get you to lose one this week or two, or just notice when you're triggered by something, or let's just kind of like document and be aware. And um, now we are, I think 26 weeks in and very safely has lost 74 pounds. And I might like caveat this and say, those are not normal. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but she had a lot of weight to lose, but generally it's one to two pounds a week. It's understanding your environment, take the double stuffed Oreos out of the house, have the ice cream, but plan it into your day, you know, have that glass of wine, but follow it up with a, a glass of water. If you feel like you can't give that up and don't finish the whole bottle. Right. So it's, you're right. It's tiny incremental changes over time that then she wakes up and realizes none of my clothes fit. Um, I need to keep going. I'm not sure I can afford to keep going because I need a whole new wardrobe. And I said, those are the kind, those are great problems to have. I will start a GoFundMe yeah. campaign for that. And I guarantee yeah. I'll get you the money. <laughs> so yeah, I, I definitely see it the same way. I've been able to keep my weight off uh, for the last, it's been like four and a half years now. And, and, and people are kind of waiting for that other shoe to drop. And I said, it, it won't because I've done the mental work. And when you've done the yeah. mental work, you see those triggers differently. They still come. They're still knocking on the door. I just don't run from them. Like I open the front door and I'm like, let's, let's tackle it. So, um, <clears throat> excuse me. You shared with me a special offer that I wanted to make sure we, um, we promote it. I'll put it here on the screen. Um, this is a, a course that you'll be co-teaching about the benefits of reducing carbohydrates and sugars um, from a big picture standpoint, which I'm registered for and I cannot wait. Um, are there a few carrots that you wanted to throw out there to encourage people to register? Sure. Yeah. So this is really designed as kind of a research review. What is the evidence for uh, cutting back on your carbs and sugar? I think a lot of people will be surprised by the number of health connections we make to over overconsumption of sugar and then negative health outcomes. Um, if you are a science geek and you love to see the actual research behind all of the things you hear about in the media, this is where we talk about the science. And I'm teaching it with a great dietitian, Kristen Kirkpatrick. So she's going to then take over and talk about how she actually implements this with clients on a daily basis. So there's a lot of interesting lifestyle changes and case studies that we'll go over as well. Oh, great. 
And so we'll also include that in the show notes for, um, for follow-up if people want to register, <clears throat> excuse me, after the broadcast is over. Great. Um, Thank I've you also, so much. Yeah, of course. We have to build each other up. Um, I also wanted to share your Instagram. Um, I need to know what fueled by cheese means. So just I need to know more. Where'd you get the name from? Yeah, so I am a big believer that full fat dairy, especially the fermented dairies, um, are superfoods. And so I love cheese, especially yogurt, um, kefir, all that good stuff. And I like to do a lot of endurance events and people are always curious, you know, what does your diet look like? And I'm always telling them, well, I eat a lot of cheese. So I decided that that was probably the most appropriate Instagram handle for me, not necessarily in event, but, uh, you know, I love on a daily basis. There's a, there's a lot of cheese in my life. Now, is that also because, <clears throat> excuse me, you grew up in, in Michigan next to Wisconsin. Is there, are you a Packers fan? Well, I am a Detroit Lions fan, which has been a painful experience for a long time. But um, so where, where I did my, my doctorate was the Department of Food Science and Human Nutrition. And Michigan State has a huge agricultural department with a lot of dairy science. And so we had a dairy lab built into our, our human nutrition building. And you could go there and try out all the ice cream that they would make, but they would also make a lot of experimental cheeses. And one of my favorite experimental cheeses they would make was a chocolate cheese. And it sounds really weird. No, it doesn't. <laughs> but it's almost like fudge the way it comes out. So I, I don't know. I just I look back on that so fondly. Well, I don't know if you know, but I, I have a friend who is the director of nutrition at Simply Good Foods and oh. could potentially like add that to their list of things to create. Uh, in a little bit more of a healthy macro setup. So I'm just saying, I'll make the introduction for you. Thanks. Yeah, I'd appreciate that. <laughs> okay. So my last question is my favorite question because I really feel like when people are, are watching, they're looking for, you know, little nuggets of inspiration, little things that they could maybe apply to their day to kind of just, you know, increase their joyometer, maybe um, just, just a notch or two. Um, and so, as you know, this show is called Joy Unleashed, and uh, I have a journal coming out called The Daily Doses of Joy, um, and that'll be on Amazon soon. But I'm hoping you could share some daily practices um, that, you know, help you to feel grounded and firmly rooted in joy that, you know, may inspire somebody else to adopt. Yeah, I can I can definitely share a few that, that I've found or just bring me a tremendous amount of joy. Number one is just getting outside, even if it's for five minutes. I love to just get outside in the morning before my crazy day at work starts, uh, go for a walk. I have a couple dogs, so going for a walk with my dogs in the morning is usually the highlight of, of my day. Um, other things, force yourself to smile. Even if you're feeling overwhelmed and stuck and frustrated, just forcing yourself to smile uh, this is a trick from from the endurance sports community, but forcing yourself to smile will literally change your brain chemistry and make you feel happier. So whenever I'm feeling frustrated, that is like my go-to is like, okay, I'm just going to take a second. I'm going to go outside and just smile. And people are like, why is this guy standing there grinning outside? Um, and it's really like I'm trying to, to reactivate that dopamine in my brain. 
So that's that. I'm going to smile if it kills me. That's where that comment came from. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Well, I, my, my first guest on, uh, on the show was, um, her name is Chris Cola Donato and she is a forest bathing guide and forest bathing is something I had never heard of. Um, you're shaking your head. So maybe you have, but you know, it's all about getting outside and reconnecting with nature and pulling in the energy that nature is pushing out. Um, so I, I love that that's one of your three. Yeah. Awesome. Anything else before we wrap? No, I, I appreciate you bringing me on here. I think I, I couldn't overemphasize the importance of a healthy diet in mental health and just like your emotional well-being. So it's not it's something you make this immediate connection with like, oh, I ate that and now I, I feel bad. But really, like when you think about your holistic diet and your holistic wellness, um, it's so, so important. And, and as people begin to optimize their diet and they'll find that they actually start to feel better as well. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Um, don't go away. I'm just going to take you off the screen as we close up here. Um, I really enjoyed our conversation today with Dr. John. He is a wealth of knowledge. Um, he works with a fabulous team and um, we've shared a few ways where you can get in touch with him. This is Joy Unleashed. My name is Colleen Greco. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for tuning in to Joy Unleashed. As always, it's my honor to be your host and joyologist, Colleen Greco. Follow me at the Colleen Greco on Instagram for daily motivation and inspiration. And don't forget to leave my show a review on Apple Podcasts. Until next time, sisters.